Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Hi, fellas. Hi, ladies. It's time for the Penn State Blue White Breakdown podcast. The first one that Dave Jones and myself, Bob Flounders, are doing of 2022. The Outback Bowl is in the rearview mirror. There are players and coaches leaving Penn State. I, I don't know. Amazing numbers, Dave. It's like rats leaving a sinking ship. I don't know if that's fair. It just the, seems the, like every 10 minutes, somebody's leaving. The players are one thing, but Michael Hazel leaving? What do you that, That's got bad vibes written all over it, doesn't it? Well, I mean, considering where he left, I mean, there certainly he certainly had a lot. He was with Brent Pry as long as he was with James Franklin, and he got, obviously, he got a better gig. I think he is an assistant AD, and he was the senior uh, director of football operations at Penn State. Now he's the overlord of football operations at Virginia Tech and a assistant AD. No, he's not the overlord, but I just think it's probably time for a change for him. I mean, he was there with, I think he was at Vanderbilt with James and, Bre- and Brent. So why not? I, it is a little surprising though. It is. A well, little what it tells me is that he'd rather work for Pry than work for Frank. Yeah. Yeah. He can't be, be making that much more money. Have you yeah. seen a figure? Because I haven't seen a figure. No. He can't yeah. be making that much more money. No. That is a resolution that he believes Pry is a better guy to work for to me. Maybe um, less maniacal, would you say? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is James's ninth year now. He just completed his eighth year. Everything I'm about to say, I think you would agree with me. He's a driven guy. Um, he is he is all about the job literally every hour of every day in season, out of season, and probably most coaches are, but he just seems to me that he's a very intense driven guy, and maybe Brent Pry goes about his business a little bit different, and he still works very hard at his job, and Michael's like, hey, I was a pretty good friend of Brent's as well, so I'm leaving. Guys become different people when they become a head coach, too. That's true. So there's no guarantee that Brent Pry is going to be the same guy he was as a coordinator when he starts running his own shop and yeah. he hasn't done that. So who knows, who, who knows how, how that'll work out. Yeah. Let's just him. get to like the news in the last two days, you know, we'll start Rasheed Walker who wasn't going to play in the Outback Bowl. He was on crutches down there. Didn't play the last two games of the regular season declared for the draft, excuse me, a member of Penn State's 2018 class. Certainly I don't think helped his draft stock with his play this year. I do think that's an NFL talent though. He's he's out of the picture now. Joe Lorig, the special teams coordinator and outside linebackers coach, is going to Oregon. James Franklin was actually asked about it down at the Outback Bowl, and he all but said he was gone because there had always there was already Bruce Feldman's report. <laughs> Dave, I think it's the same job, but Joe, uh, James said he is from out there, so he he was prepared for him to go. Um, they just hired his replacement, Stacy Collins. He'll be the special teams coordinator outside linebackers coach at Penn State he was at Boise State this past year I think running their special team so hey it's early Dave it's only 1 40 in the afternoon who knows what's going to happen next uh, I thought December was busy January is matching it uh, in terms of movement and 
Now the transfer portal is going to probably get interesting for Penn State. They're after some people. We can track that. But of all the things, I haven't talked to you probably since, what, mid-December? What is the thing that you want to get to most of all on this Blue White Breakdown podcast? The, the idea that opt-outs are disloyal seems to be the overriding story of what we're talking about. And yeah. Kirk, Kirk Herbstreet, to my surprise, a little I was going to ask you about him. Go ahead. Um, he didn't just insinuate. He said, yeah. uh, I believe in Pasadena before the Rose Bowl, yeah. that some guys just don't love football. And I thought that was like way over the line. I, I like Kirk. Yeah. I think he's usually the most sensible guy on TV. And I that that kind of shocked me. Now, to, I think a lot of people already know my position on this stuff, that, that players are in a position that they've never been in, in before. They're probably not going to make great decisions all the time anyway. But in, in many ways, college basketball has been in this situation for a lot longer time. College yeah. basketball players could go directly to the NBA or make go directly to a money-making enterprise anytime they wanted without playing in college. Why those rules were different, it made no sense. It was almost like the reserve clause in baseball. Being what I am with college basketball, I love college basketball. I've been used to this for a long time. College football fans are not. And they can't get their minds around the fact that yeah. That kids who are 18, 19, 20 maybe have financially compromised positions, need money, might do this. Then you have the other layer with a guy like Caleb Williams, who's leaving Oklahoma, who might just be looking to get paid while in college, which now is available. I don't right. have any problem with any of it. I don't. And the acid test would be a lot of these people who are yelling and screaming and whining about it, what would they do? Were, in the, were they in the same position? Right, right. Right? Anybody who's in this position would, would not think twice about tail. And you know Caleb Williams is going to get paid one way or the other. Right. I mean, if he chooses to go to an SEC school, he's going to get some seven-figure NIL deal. Or he, he could go to USC. Some, well, they won't pay that. I don't I really don't think so. They're not the kind of school who will do that, but they could they could do an NIL deal that had some sort of broadcast component. He could work on I don't I don't know anything about the kid as far as how loquacious he is or how how good he is with words or anything, but there's all sorts of things you can do in L, in LA with NIL possibilities. So there's that. But as far as simply cutting a check and giving a kid <laughs> A million point five. The SEC's always done stuff like that. <laughs> it just wasn't legal. Now it's legal. Oh. Now it's legal. So we. This is the realm we're in. And man, I don't think it's ever been different. It's just that we, now it's above board. It's above the table, where it used to be below it. <clears throat> That's how I feel about it. And I don't know how you feel about it. All the whining about purity of the purity and the love of the game. Come yeah. on. Come on. Yeah, uh, really? I, I, yeah, do you, yeah. Do you think Desmond Howard wouldn't have jumped? Yeah, at, at, yeah like I like. And him. he was he was right on the end of Herbie <laughs> saying, "I agree with you." You talk about a guy who's stolen money <laughs> his entire career for for what? I just wondered if maybe the trigger was when those three Ohio State kids got out to the Rose Bowl and immediately left. I think Kurt might have been a little hurt by that. Do you? I suppose, but there was a trigger do, somewhere. 
Well, look, I understand having grown up in the Midwest, yeah. what the Rose Bowl always meant. And now it doesn't. And I'm, I'm in that age group, man. I mean, Herbie's not that much younger than I am. Mm-hmm. He graduated in 92 or 93. I graduated in, uh, should have graduated in 79. So he's. Should have. <laughs> I, I did not. Should have. It's the off season. We can get into this, man. You want to get into this, man? Let's do it. I graduated in 83. He graduated in 93. But, but he's actually 14 years younger than I am. Off the field still- issues. Was it off the field issues? <laughs> I, I think it was. I'm, we're, we're moving ahead. We're not okay. talking about the past. Okay. We're, we're talking about the future now, Bob. Got it. Had to ask. Had to ask. Rafael Palmero. Um, I am of that age where I remember how magical and mystical the Rose Bowl was and, and still to some extent is. I mean, I got really pissed off at my sister because I was writing the, the bowl game. Uh, I, people don't know. I, maybe people don't know. I stayed home. I've got, uh, I'm pre-diabetic. So they asked me if I wanted to go to the Tampa for this flea bag bowl game. And I said, I don't care. Send me, don't send me. And they didn't send me. So I'm up here working on the out, my outback bowl column and then my Sunday stuff. And I'm DVRing the Rose Bowl. And I'm really looking forward to the Rose Bowl. Okay. <laughs> and all you, all my friends know, don't, it, it's kind of like a common understanding with sports writers and people around sports writers. A lot of times we can't watch the games live. We DVR them. So don't tell us the score. Yeah. It, it's none of your friends would do that. Would they, they wouldn't, they right. wouldn't. I didn't know you were DVRing it. I'm glad I didn't say anything to you. I, yeah, I got, but but you wouldn't, you wouldn't have anyway, would you? Probably not. Yeah. No, yeah. unless I hear stuff that from you, it tells me you're watching the game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you just wouldn't do that. Yeah. But my sister, I just get done with everything. It's like 930. Oh. I've got my Sunday stories in and she's an Ohio State grad. You know, she's like, but she doesn't know anything about football. She just wants to say something that lets okay. everyone know that she's, oh, hey, no. I watched the, I watched the football this team. Is not gonna, she this says, is not going to go said, well. She texts me the moment I get on my chair. Sorry, Utah, 48-45, go Bucks. <laughs> and I wanted to freaking kill her. You know, Con one. Defcon huh? one. <laughs> I, 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 I can imagine the rage, Dave. I've seen I it. Went, I can imagine it. I I went off on her. I can I can read you. I can read you the text. It was venomous and completely out of control. Because you know why would you do that? Why would you get all that bent out of shape? But I did. I'd had it, mm-hmm. and I said, "Damn it, Barbara! I was DVRing the effing game." I just got done writing and she's laughing and I'm like, I'm not effing laughing. What WTF do me a favor. Don't text me on game days. Like ever. I'm working my ass off. I don't need texts. And now you ruined the Rose Bowl for me. Huh? Dave, is she, is she out of the will? <laughs> is it that bad? That's how much I, I love the Rose Bowl. I do. That is the least surprising text I think you've ever read to me when you got that <laughs> one. When you're at DEFCON 1, I had to apologize. no one is safe when you're at DEFCON 1, Dave. No she, one. She apologized to me the next day, and I apologized back. I said that was totally out of control. Dave, let's, let's, pull, let's pull it back to the Penn State Bowl game real quick, even though it's been a couple of days. Uh, just to check in with you, I'm really, really floored. Not surprised, but floored. I just feel like for the last eight, nine games of the season, I just feel like I watched the same offensive display 
And I forget about the opt outs. I just, and the way the game was called, I just, I, I just can't get over how inept this offense was. And I just can't get over the fact that <laughs> James hasn't made any changes to his staff. I just feel like somebody had to answer for that because I just, think, I thought it was really, really poor. I didn't agree with how they managed the game on offense and the outback bowl. They had to protect their defense who was playing severely shorthanded. I, I well, just you, don't, you don't think they I don't understand it. You don't think they ran the ball enough and you don't think they, they used Lee enough, right? I absolutely think that. Yeah. I don't, I do not understand why they put the game on Sean Clifford's shoulders that much because he just hasn't shown to me that he's capable against the, against a decent team of score. They didn't score 30 points in a big 10 game or against Auburn or Arkansas. It's, it's just, it's just maddening. I think if you're a Penn state fan, you're so, so you're so frustrated and things have to be different. I don't know what they're going to do this offseason, but it can't be more of the same. Well, I know what they need to do. And what's the root cause of both the running game and putting the, the game on Clifford's shoulders yeah. of why it doesn't work? It's the offensive line. The offensive line has never been a standout group in the eight seasons James Franklin has been there. It's the one group that has never been outstanding yeah. or even close Every other position group, you could say that, well, they had that year, they had this year, they had this couple of years, not the offensive line. And until they get that fixed, a quarterback is always going to be vulnerable, especially a quarterback like Clifford. Yeah. Uh, the running game, you can say that they should have run Lee more and maybe they get some three and four yard carries and eat up clock. I, I get about, it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. But, <laughs> but on the other hand, they might have ended up with third and six too many times because they can't run the damn ball. Uh, even Lee, every part of their problem stems from mediocre offensive lines. And that's the part they got to get fixed or nothing's ever going to change. Right. That's my opinion. You know, you're right, Dave, had it not been for just the exquisite talent level of Saquon Barkley, his offensive line wasn't much to write home about either. And he found Neither was Sanders. Neither was Miles Sanders. Yeah. Those guys both did a lot of it on their own. They did it in different ways. Barkley yeah. had more minus carries <laughs> because he was trying to, to jump cut right. almost every handoff. Sanders just decided to stick his nose in gaps that, that pretty much weren't there yeah. and burrowed for three or four yards. Neither of them were as good as they would become later. Uh, at least in Barkley's first season. Now he's hurt. What do you, boy, he's He's turning into Kajana Carter, isn't he? I mean, it's bad. When they drafted him as high as they did and they didn't have the components around him to protect him right. and also, you know, not make him a workhorse. It was, I think it was always going to go this way and it, it's sad, but at least he got one big payday. I mean, at least he got that. And, and, and what's the, what's the common denominator? The, the Giants offensive line was never worth a damn. They were never any good. Yeah, uh, they were. They they made some free agent pickups the first year, didn't they? And and those yeah. guys got old or they got hurt. And it doesn't matter who you have. I maintain that that David Carr, the the brother, the older brother of the the Raiders quarterback now, who's doing wonders with the Raiders. You would agree, right? Yes, he yes. could have been a tremendous pro player, don't you yeah. think? But he yeah. goes to the Texans. He gets sacked more than any quarterback has ever been sacked in two seasons in NFL history. And he's ruined any, it doesn't matter who you talk about. If you don't play behind a good offensive line, you can't get anything done. And that is Penn State's core problem. And it continues to be. 
This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Uh, Dave, I was thinking in a lot of ways, just because of the talent all over the field and the offensive line was an issue. I think this is Penn State's most disappointing season of his era, of the, the James Franklin era. It reminded me of 1992. That was supposed to be a very good team on the on the heels of the number three in the nation, 91 team, which yeah. uh, played Miami just about off its feet in the Orange Bowl in like a thousand degrees and lost 26-20. That was a really good team. They had a lot of it coming back in 92. Yeah, uh, they signed. They signed that weird bowl agreement with the the, the blockbuster. Really, the bowl. blockbuster bowl. Yeah, Wayne Hazinga. I think that was the the bowl game where my computer froze. <laughs> I mean, it literally froze. It got so cold in the press box. They turned off the heat, and uh, Frank Benani took me back to the hotel. I had to hold my laptop in the heater, and it it got the disk drive going, and I was able to send my story. But that. That was that Stanford game, the 24-3 game against Walsh, Bill Walsh. Remember yeah. Bill Walsh coaching Stanford? That reminded me so much of this 24-10 game, almost the exact same score. Just yeah. a, a team that had uh, that had sold out, what had checked out and didn't look like it. And really had this team, this team had guys who literally checked out because why bother? Why would you bother? Which is another issue. With these third-tier bowl games, and I'm not talking about the fourth-tier bowl games with teams like Western Kentucky that are really excited to be at any bowl game, the very early ones where right. they're in the Bahamas or someplace, uh-huh. Bermuda, um, where, where they're just happy to be anywhere. Those are one thing. And then you're, you're, if when you expand the playoff, you're probably going to include a lot of the second-tier games. If it's eight or 12 teams, you're going to include a lot of that because you have 10 bowls. But these these in between bowls like the Outback Bowl, their days are numbered, in my opinion, because nobody's ever going to care about these. They used to be kind of legitimate bowls. You would have an interesting matchup with an SEC team. Everyone played. You might get some of, of your young players in the game. But it was an entertaining game. I think that's over. And this is this is the beginning of that 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 age, I think. Yeah. Who impressed you the most on the Penn State team in the bowl game, Dave? There's a lot of guys that actually had some pretty decent games. Who did you like? I I know you're a Parker Washington guy, but uh there were some other good performances <laughs> too. I thought Smith Vilbert uh yeah. came out of nowhere to Correct. it fell on the defense to get things done when the offense was so inert. Yeah. And I thought they played their butts off. A lot of the defense, a lot of the young players on the defense played as hard as they could in that heat. And you could see them start to wilt. And as I wrote later, I don't think that that halftime adjustments are quite as great a factor as people trump them up to be because adjustments are going on all throughout a game. Right. Uh, But in this case – Arkansas decided, and Sam Pittman decided, we're going to run that A-gap keeper. We're going to take our 6'4", 240-pound quarterback and get a hat on a hat, get see what happens if they can take that. And yep. he knew 
the interior of Penn State's def- defense was depleted. He knew they weren't probably used to the heat. And it worked. And yeah. I didn't see any response. Uh, here's another thing. I mean, Traylon Burks, they're, they're really good wideout. He was yeah. an opt-out, too. He yeah. was the counterpart to John Dotson. Every bit is good. And if you don't know who he is, I mean, you, you haven't yeah. watched SEC football. Just trust me. He was all SEC first team. Guy was really, really good. They didn't have him, and they didn't have anyone like Parker Washington below right. him. Mm-hmm. They, they did not want to throw the ball. And yet Penn State really didn't. I didn't see them load up the box to dare them to throw. I thought that was the move, and there was never really a counterpunch from Penn State. Yeah, and I think the other thing that really hurt Penn State was you can try and run variations of the Arkansas offense in practices leading up to the game, but you don't have anyone that big to, to be the quarterback. And they didn't see a running quarterback all year. So they weren't really familiar. And it just looked like when, when they made that adjustment, Penn State just couldn't catch on quick enough uh, to the zone read that they were doing. And uh, they did wear out. They absolutely wore out. I actually thought the backup quarterback was scarier. Rich Garcello said he reminded him of Jamel Holloway, and I thought that was actually pretty close. That guy was really, really quick. Yeah, the kid's, the kid's name is Malik Hornsby, and he's really fast. How is he fast? <laughs> like fast, fast. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like I mean, Oklahoma wishbone 70. Yeah, that's what it was reminding me, except Thomas, yeah. Lott, Thomas Lott wasn't that fast. Yeah. But, yeah. but if you got a guy out on the edge, that was the push pull of the triple option. You've got Kenny King running inside, and then you've got yeah. you know Billy Sims running outside. One way or another, you're going to get beat. And and yeah. they follow KJ Jefferson with Hornsby running off the edge, and Penn State had no answer. Yeah, I I understand that it might not have been any different if they like loaded up the box and played uh, cover zero, but I think they right. should have. You know, I sh- I think they should have tried. They did play a lot of two deep safety looks, and you're right. That guy was not really much of a threat to throw the ball once. No, they didn't out. want to throw, Bob. They didn't want yeah. to throw at all. He's an efficient passer, and his efficiency rating says that. But, I mean, he didn't have a Burks out there to catch the ball. So that yeah. kind of bothered me. The whole thing was just an abortion. I, I, I thought yeah. it was just an awful, awful game. And, yeah, I'd have to go back to the, seven, the 92 uh, block. Yeah. Yeah, I was just I thought Curtis Jacobs really showed me a lot. I re, I just Jair Brown, his instincts at safety, if the ball's in his area, he's going to get it. He is a really I don't know that I remember a safety I've seen at Penn State like him. He fought, he can track the ball and he's going to have a big year next year if he can stay healthy. Uh, Dave, real quick here on the Blue White Breakdown podcast, the first of three this week. But it's just me and Dave. This one, Daniel Gallon and I Wednesday. I think Daniel and Dustin Hawkinsmith will be later in the week. But um, two things I wanted to ask you, what was other than the Rose Bowl, what was your favorite bowl game uh, so far? Any thoughts on the semis? And did you did you commit, Dave? It does, it's not, it does not have to be football related. Did you commit to a 2022 New Year's resolution? No, I don't. I, don't play I, I tried to tee up. I tried no, to tee no. up. You didn't take it. Didn't I haven't ever. Pain. I haven't ever had a resolution of any kind. <laughs> Uh, be nicer to your sister Dave yeah well that 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 was out of hand the Rose Bowl wasn't my favorite game um 48-45 it had you know it should have had drama I didn't have drama I when you when you watch these games I I kid Anna about she she knows Hallmark movies are goofy and she knows they're stupid and she watches them anyway I kid her because 
the ending is always the same. And the plot is always the same. And she says, well, why do you watch these games? They're all the same. And I say, no, they're not. You you don't know the resolution. You don't know the, the plot twists. And that Utah-Ohio State game had so many, so many great, great twists in it, especially at the end of the game where the quarterback is hurt. Uh, and then Utah has to bring in a second string guy and he drives him to a t- to the tying touchdown. Yeah. Uh, some people were saying that they should have maybe tried to stretch the clock a little more. I don't know. I, 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 or going for two. Would you have gone for two if you're Kyle Willingham? I think there was too much time left on the clock had they done that. I think Ohio State was going to score no matter they what. Were they, score. They, were, yeah. they were going to score regardless. I really did. And Jackson Smith and Jacob, holy crap. How about I Harrison? I know. It's like, and even Julian Fleming's in the field now, and he, he will be good, although he got hurt a little bit at the end of the game. But yeah. it's this is the thing. They don't even have Garrett Wilson. Olave. They don't have Chris Olave, and they just stack them like cordwood out there. This is, this is what Penn State is up against. Yeah. And their lead assistants for, for wide receiver assistant, Brian Hartline, made this happen, and they've been able to keep him for a while. I think he should be a coordinator at some at some point, but he hasn't done that. He likes what he's doing. He's been a stability factor that Penn State hasn't had. I Someone suggested to me that Ju- Julian Fleming might be in the portal. I don't think so because I think he's ticketed for big playing time now, right? Wouldn't you agree? Well, if he, I would, I mean, he's at best the third option on that offense, but even the third option in that offense yeah. could have put up. Who was, who was the third option this year? Smith yeah. and Jigba. Yeah, you know yeah. why would you why would you leave there? The uh, only problem it, it, is they keep bringing in five stars, so he better have a good off season because well, that's good. That's good for you. That's good for your competitive nature. I, I don't. I, yeah. you, you would you would have to be on top of them. Yeah, uh, but these days, anybody in the transfer portal is not just looking for playing time; they're looking to get paid. Yeah, and that's another factor that. Coaches who don't want to deal with this or players who don't, or, or I mean, I mean, administrators who don't want to deal with this anymore, they better get out because yeah. that's the way it's going to be. And it's, it's been a profession all along. It just wasn't called one. Now it's being yep. treated the way it always was. That's all. That's all. I got one final thing for you. I know you, I know you want to say something. I don't know what you're going to say. Shark face versus Georgia. Go ahead, buddy. Just tell me what, what struck you there. I never, I never thought that had ever had a chance of being a game. I picked Michigan over Ohio State because I didn't think Ohio State wanted any part of that right. physical running game with, with Haskins and even an injured Blake Corum, and they didn't. Josh Gaddis kept them honest with a few shots downfield, but essentially you, you, you had the ingredients there where you could beat Ohio State because they're not a physical team at scrimmage. Georgia, that's all they are is a physical team at scrimmage. I mean, holy crap. You've got guys there that you don't have in the Big Ten on the, on the, in the front seven, and you're not going to play bully ball with them. And that is the DNA of Jim Harbaugh. He wants to, he wants to be Bo Schembechler. He's always his first option is going to yeah. try to play bully ball. And if he can't, what did he have at quarterback? You know, a game manager and Cade McNamara, who I think has done a good job this year for what he is, but he's not going to be able to do what Bill O'Brien did with Bryce Young. Bill O'Brien just said, screw it. 
We're not going to run the ball. We're going to go up top and challenge that Georgia secondary that hasn't been challenged at all this year. And it worked 42 points. Yeah. Michigan did not have the ingredients to do that. Now, maybe next year, if they send Harbaugh out for donuts and <laughs> and let, let J.J. McCarthy develop, did you get a look at that kid at the end of the game? Yeah. Woo! Wow. Uh, are you going to pick? Are you going to pick Alabama to win the rematch too, or are you still thinking about that? Alabama. I think I think, I think Ob will will try to do what he did before because that's the only way to to win. Maybe they'll be able to do it again. I don't know if you can surprise Georgia twice that way because Kirby Smart's basically a defensive guy, and man, is that defensive front good and yeah. disruptive. I think it's up to Kirby Smart to figure out a way. And his his DC is going to stay right before he goes to Oregon. Is that correct? I believe that's correct, yes. Yeah, I mean, he was there for this game. So he's going to cook up something that allows those guys, because those guys are thoroughbreds. You saw that game. I mean, you you saw them. What's yeah. 40, 44's name? Holy crap. 44 and 88 and 99. It was really the first time I got a really good look at those guys all season because I got to watch Big Ten all year, and I do. But I'd seen little bits and pieces of them. But Michigan's offensive line, they won the Joe Moore Award. They got destroyed. They got (laughs) destroyed. You're not going to line it up and tee it up and get pushed against these guys. You have to go over the top right away, right away. I think OB understood that and understands that. It's up to Kirby Smart to to counter him. No Michi in the rematch. Remember that. He played in the first game. He he, he messed up his knee. So yeah, I know they got other guys. One final thing, Dave. Are you watching the national championship game live or are you DVRing it? I'm I was so just gonna I was gonna send a text to your sister warning her. That's this is the opposite because I don't care who wins this game. All right. I don't I don't even know. I, I have a responsibility to watch it, but I'm not excited about it. If college football has become regional. And the SEC is just so much better than the rest of college football. They get the best players, and they get the best players at scrimmage, which is what the, the important thing is. Alabama doesn't even have a great offensive line this year, but they can still hope to compete with Georgia's front better than Michigan's did That's that because they're used to it. They know what it is. It's a different level of football, and I'm just disappointed at college football right now because the Pac-12 is – a complete non-entity. The Big Ten was embarrassed in their their one shot at the college football playoff. Ohio State has the athletes, but they're not as physical up front. It's the SEC's world, and we're all uh, kind of interloping in it. So so I'll probably DVR. All right, that's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. We covered a lot of ground. We'll have lots to get to next week. Between now and next week, Dave, another 20 or 25 Penn State assistance players, transfer portal guys. There's so much, there's so much transaction going on. I can't keep up with it all, but we'll get, we'll talk about the national championship next week. And we'll talk out. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on with James Franklin's Nittany Lions. How's that? We'll see ya. This has been the blue white breakdown brought to you by Penn live. <laughs>